Welcome to Picks and Flicks. This is a podcast where myself, Stephen Pigeon, and my co-host, CJ Welsh, take game and movie pairings and discuss them to see if they work against each other in different ways. CJ is a filmmaker and producer, and I work in production across both games and film. Before we start, I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of this land of which we currently occupy, and pay our respects to Elders past, present, and emerging. Sovereignty was never ceded, it always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Today we are looking at Tomb Raider and Tomb Raider. That may sound confusing, but that's because we are looking at the 2013 video game published by Square Enix, and the 2018 movie of the same name starring Alicia Vikander and directed by... Oh god, I'm going to butcher this pronunciation. Uh, directed by Roa Uthorg. I think he's I think he's Norwegian. <laughs> um... Again, this is now your full spoiler warning. If you have not played the 2013 Tomb Raider video game or watched the 2018 movie, we will be discussing both of these in depth. Further content warnings will be included in the show notes, but for now, let's get into it. Let's do it. I think that, uh, that pronunciation's not too bad. Yeah, I would have gone, yeah, Roar Utag, maybe? Utag. That's, that sounds um, but yes. right. That sounds he better. is Norwegian. You are you are correct. He is indeed Norwegian. I, what did you think of the movie? I actually loved it. Look, oh man, I'm really torn on this. I I think it's a good movie, uh, but it's a it's a very bad adaptation. Look, actually, you know what? No, I'll take that back. It's not a very bad adaptation. It's just not a great adaptation. It's- I have definitely seen worse adaptations. Yeah, there's 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 a lot that it does in terms of like um, keeping things like specifically the same from the game because because it, it is a du- direct adaptation from the 2013 video game um well it is it is it claims to be but then but it, it does it, it does yeah. change quite a lot of things as well um it changes the it changes everything to do with himiko the sun mm. god um it changes everything to do with matthias and that group of people and then uh, there's there's no supernatural elements in terms of like you know, Himiko controlling the storms like like she does in the game. Um, I mean, I suppose I mean, I suppose that's already bringing me to one of my points. Is like everything felt a lot more scaled down and simplified for the second mm. for the for the movie. Even though the movie is running for two hours, they they still just couldn't do as as many things as they did in a video game where you know you complete the story in twelve hours. Yeah, I mean, I did make a note about this actually the length thing. So the the film is two hours long, right? And again, this is going to sound like I'm really trashing this film. <laughs> I want to be clear that, like, as a film on its own, if you have zero context of Tomb Raider as a game or the reboot or anything... It's a really fun it, movie. It's a fun little action movie. It's fun. It's good. It's got some great lines. There's some good stuff going on. It's not going to blow your mind. It won't change your life. But it's worth watching. It's entertaining, right? Having said that, what they've done is they've... The film is two hours long, but we don't actually get to the island until halfway through the film. Yeah, yeah. So the first hour of the film is completely different from the game. Not When I say different, I don't mean like they changed and manipulated. And, no, I mean like nothing in the first hour of that film appears in the game in any way, shape or form. Cause like, so in, we, we don't... Yeah. Because in the game, you straight up, you start off on the boat of the Endurance going to the island. Like, yeah, so there, I actually, there's no context of you like finding the people to go onto the boat and the reason for why you're going to or any of that. It's just like, okay, we're here. This is what's happening. Exactly. I, I ended up um, so I, I I rebooted up the game, right? So I've got a copy of Tomb Raider Definitive Edition, right? Yeah. And so what that is 
is the re-release of the original, I say original, God, there's so many Tomb Raider games. I think it's the actually the 10th Tomb Raider game in total, but it's a reboot, right? So it's the it's the 2013 reboot. They released a version of it a couple of years after that called the Definitive Edition. It's the same game, slightly better graphics, uh, and, it, and it has all the DLC built in. So it's the same thing. But I started, I, I realized when I booted it up, I haven't played it since 2015 when it came out. So I have a completed save from 2015. Oh, and I was like, oh, okay. So it's been it's been a hot minute since I've played this six six years or so. So I, I started a new game on a new save because there's no new game plus, which I thought was interesting to start with. No new game plus feature, but was I started that, was that a new a thing, game. Like was that a trend when um, that Tomb Raider had come out? Uh, I think it must have been. I'd, I'd have to look at it uh, as to other games, but I know that the idea of a new game plus was definitely around a long time. That's an old, old thing. Is it? I'm trying to remember like the like an early example. I think the one, the main one I can think of is is The Witcher or The Witcher Three. Oh yeah, no, it's, it's it's from before that for sure. Huh. Okay. Like old old RPGs had new game pluses. Absolutely. Interesting. Yeah, I'd right. have to look up when the first recorded version of it is. But anyway, we're on a tangent. So the the <laughs> I, I booted up right, and the game starts pretty much immediately with the shipwreck. There's there's very little fucking around. It it's like her in a cabin on a boat, and she's talking about how she's on this expedition to find the lost kingdom of Yamatau. And then all of a sudden, there's a shipwreck, and she's in chaos. Right. So they kick off the action immediately. That moment doesn't happen in the movie until an hour into it halfway and there's through. a whole yeah. halfway through so there's a whole moment in the in the game where she ends up uh you know on the beach at night and it's raining and she's really injured and she gets like knocked out by someone and when she comes to she ends up impaled on this rod in the film they do a similar thing where she gets impaled on something the order of events is all over the shop but she does get impaled and if i'm like okay if that's the moment the impaling is the moment that they they link up and become the same story but it's absolute chaos because we like that's 40 minutes or so into this film and it completely misses the point it's also like um that impaling as an example it's interesting because they they they've obviously gone out of their way to keep things very specific with those kinds of details kept in a movie so like her outfit and the way she's dressed is exactly the same the way she got impaled she wasn't impaled by the same thing in the same like exact same setting but it was the same shape of a thing so in the game and it's the same spot on her body yep so in the game it's a metal rebar that goes like through and out the other side of her gut and then in the uh, movie it's like a, a stick or a small branch I think, yeah, it was either a branch or it was a piece of the plane. I can't remember. But the this whole, it's so silly because it means if you if you start from that point, it means that they compressed a 12-hour game into one hour. Mm-hmm. Which, seemed, if you've been given two hours to do the adaptation, why did you compress it into just one? Well, this is also some, there's also so many other things here too, right? So, like, I can't remember if in the game they said specifically how many years they were stuck on the island. Because uh, I know in the movie it's seven. Um but like so in the game they've been there like for a long time and you can you can see clearly how that time has had an effect on them because they've become a mad cult right yeah it's definitely longer than seven years my, my understanding was that they were collecting people who were shipwrecking so that like they yeah. haven't been there for, they, it's not necessarily that matthias himself has been there for 50 years but there's been people on the island as part of this cult since then and uh, um and in the movie they've been there for seven years and Matthias is played by Walton Goggins who I thought did a great job in the role um, 
But again, he's been there for seven years, uh, apparently just from his employer being like, you can't leave until the, your thing is finished. And he's, he's, he's just working his group of people and also, like you just said, ship, shipwreckers and fishermen and whoever, whoever else has been stuck on an island that he's like, enslaved into this group of people. But it's not like a mad cult. It's just be like, I'm just doing my job. I've been doing it for seven yeah. years, but I'm just doing my job. They lose all the cult stuff. And there's no... The whole thing about like um, trying to escape the island. So in the game, they they literally can't escape the island. Mm. There's a supernatural force keeping them on the island. They don't have that in the movie. So multiple times I'm like, he's like, I've been here for seven years. Just go home, dude. Yeah. Like, yeah. What's the... Just leave for a six month period and then come back. I don't understand the rush. You're looking... Because isn't the plot here that they're looking for immortality? If yeah. you're looking for immortality, you could take a six month break and go see your kids, man. Like it's gonna still, it's been there since ancient Japan. There's no reason it's gonna disappear in the next six months. What the fuck? It made no sense to me. It's because it's like in the game they're looking for um, Himiko's body, or my, I think they might have already found it. But they want they want to um, do the ritual to transfer Himiko's power into the next host, yeah. and uh, by satisfying the sun god, uh, the idea is that like she'll let them leave the island. In the movies, it's like, oh, I, I, we've been here for seven years. Okay, why have you been here for seven years? My employer said I can't leave. It's Yeah, my boss says I can't go. And, and You've got they, guns and a boat. Just go. Yeah, and when they find the the body of Himiko in the movie, it's it's completely different again to the game. It's basically like, oh, she she was carrying this deadly disease and her, his employers just want some of that disease. Yeah, that actually, that bit really annoyed me. That's my, that's my line of the about that as well? No, because well, she pieces it together exactly as the as it's happening, right? So this is this is the bit that really annoys me. Yeah, but me, I'm, right? I mean by the, the employees' employers' perspective, like they, well, they, they didn't know about the disease. They're yeah. looking for something else entirely. They they okay. were seeking immortality, right? Mm. So, so they get there, they get the body, right? There's a big special puzzle that Lara's got to solve, and apparently, the, the, okay, my real gripe is that her dad solved the puzzle. Okay, so like Lara didn't even have to do any major puzzle solving. Her fucking dad did it already. It was in his journal. So she's essentially a passenger for the whole thing, right? You get to the very end of it and you're at this bizarre point where this is meant to be the climax. We're like, right, we're going to solve this big thing. You got your protagonist. We've been following her for two hours. And keep in mind, like I said, they set her up for a whole hour before they even get to the island. All of that apparently was useless. Did nothing. Totally means nothing. You know, she's in the room and they're, oh, okay, we've solved the puzzle using your dad's journal. And then you stood there and went, push that, push that, push that, done. What? And then they open it up and it's like, she suddenly just goes, oh, I'm looking at the glyphs on the wall and I can tell you, oh, she was she was a carrier for her disease. That's what's happening. It, it, she was sacrificing herself. And I was just like, oh my God, are you joking? Why not just embrace the game? Embrace the I, supernatural uh... element. We would have gone for that. This movie came out in like 2018. Yeah. You're telling me at that time, audiences would not have gone for a supernatural action movie? Come on. It's also like- What a missed opportunity. Because because there's also the reveal at the end where, um, you know, the employers, uh, uh, um, Lara Croft's like dad's company and whatever. And it's like setting it up for the, for the next movie. going to be like this whole conspiracy of Lara Croft tracking down all these corrupt people all over the world. And I'm like- I mean, as its own thing, I think it's interesting, and I would I would be interested to see like where that goes for like the movie franchise. But it does feel like, in terms of the specific adaptation for this game, it's like it's all over the shop. 
Like yeah, the show. It, yeah. it's like you know, like the axe pick is, is exactly the same. And there's moments where she's climbing on rails and climbing up the thing at the end. Where it's like here's like the moment from the video game. How cool is that? Which I, which to be fair, in those moments I thought was cool. But then overall, it's just like okay, this is like clearly very different. Um, I mean, that said though, like I, I mentioned this towards the end of the last episode. I don't think adaptation should always be exactly the same. I think it should change every now and then to be like its own different thing. Um, and for part of that, for that reason, I'm really excited to check out, you know, the, the last of us HBO series to, mm. for it being quite different to the game. Um, I, I agree, but right. There's a big, but here, big caveat. Yeah, I yeah, like I've, big butts. I've, I've got, I cannot lie. I've got a thing on this too. So, right. So my, my thing with that is like, I agree they should be different, but, but you have to put, you have to decide before you make the adaptation, mm-hmm. what you're doing. You cannot change your mind halfway through because that's what this movie does. Yeah. The first half of it, I'm like, we got a bike chase. The music's all out of, like the music is like, what the hell is this for a Tomb Raider game? <laughs> the, the whole backstory is bizarre. You know, she's like, it, it opens with Lara's dad explaining the myth of the island. So we don't have any exploration on her part. They just hand us the exposition. I thought right it was going to go from that straight into like arriving on the island. Because I thought that's that, what that, I thought. I thought that, that, that made was a great so much sense. Exactly. They're like, here's the mystery, blah, blah, blah. But instead, we cut to a boxing match. We're trying to show that Lara's like super tough woman. She boxes. Yeah. But then she taps out. So she's not superwoman. She's tough, but she's not that tough. She's also poor and an Uber Eats rider, apparently. But not really. It's all a front because she can't yeah. accept that her dad is dead. What? Where did that story come from? It was so bizarre. And I'm like, okay, if you're going to try to make that adaptation, that's fine. But then don't halfway through the movie be like, no, it is the game. It is the game. You remember the game that we were adapting? We're doing that. We just waited an hour to get there. What? It's like, uh, especially with that point at at the start of the movie too, where she's a boxer and she's good, but then she can't because she taps out. I feel like that's a very like Hollywood movie studio exec thing. We'll be like, we need to like show her that she's not good and then have her redemption during the movie. I'm like, but that's not what, that's not what this is. Um, They, they understood the premise, but not quite. Yeah. So they were like, they were like, oh, she's going to learn to be a big, strong woman by the end of the film. And you're like, no, no, that's not what the game was about. And it's not what the movie <laughs> should be about. What? Where did that come from? Like, she's cool. She's a boxer. She she races bicycles. And also, she's an accomplished archaeologist, but she never got her PhD. But she is a historian nerd. What the fuck? It's, a, it's so messy. It, 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 again, like what I was saying, we're like, I don't mind if, if an ad- adaptation does diverge and go somewhere different, but it needs to be confident in that from the get-go and lean into it. This one is like, we're different, but also here's like an exact like exact nod to, to you know, when she climbs on the rails on uh, after the boat is crashing, the rails are highlighted in white, just like they are in the game. Yeah. Which, it would, I mean, which I- also, like in the game, that's not an aesthetic choice. That's a, that's a design mechanic choice. Yeah, that wasn't like a. This is what this is what an uh, ancient Japanese shipwreck island would look like. No, <laughs> they did that so that it's obvious to the player where you're supposed to jump. Yeah. Because otherwise, everything, especially in that opening scene, everything is black and murky and grey and dark, and it's like we need to give the players a really clear indication of where it to was, go. Or they're going to be here for hours. That was one of the small things I thought was bizarre. Ended up being translated into the movie. Something that was that is purely a design mechanic. Like this is to indicate to players what's climbable and where they can go. Not an aesthetic choice. Yeah, I feel like the I feel like the filmmakers watched a trailer for the game rather than playing it. That would surprise like, me. Or they like read the Wikipedia, so they understood the beats of like there's an impalement, there's a big plane wreck at one point. That's a really dramatic moment. And so they they understood these major beats that happen in the game, but they ignored what they were actually about. 
like for me the premise of the game she says it at the very beginning and this is what i mean like the the game opens on the shipwreck so she's straight away she's like where i'm gonna tell you what the game is about and she's like she says some massive quote i'm gonna paraphrase this terribly but it was like in our darkest moments we find something that keeps us going Mm. you know and she's talking about like in our darkest moments we find out what we're truly made of or it's the the extraordinary is in what we do rather than who we are right so she's she has to become her own person even though her dad has this legacy of being a famous explorer she's like well i'm not my dad but i'm gonna be my own person and it's and it's through this brutal struggle on the island that she becomes the tomb raider right yeah, yeah. So it's like really impressive i'm like that should have been the same premise if you had taken the exact same premise and made a movie about it it would have been sick right and you didn't need to have her on the island you could have done a completely different origin story and i still would have been on board but instead, I'm like, what's the premise of the movie? Like, I honestly can't even tell you. What do you think the premise of the film was? It's her trying to find her dad. That's all it is. Which is also not from the game at all. It's not from the game at all. She's trying to find her dad. And my favorite part is, he is on the island. <laughs> yeah. Like, she finds him. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's been like, he's been like Robinson Crusoe-ing it for seven years. He couldn't send a letter. Okay, I get it. He's, he's shipwrecked. He can't send a letter home, whatever, right? But I'm like, this is absurd. Her whole thing was to be her own woman in the game. It's to overcome all these brutal, brutal things and learn who she truly is and what she's truly capable of. And in the movie, they're like, nah, it's chill. Your dad's here. It's also Don't like, it, man. okay, so it. if what? your dad has been there for seven years and, you know, Matthias apparently, quote unquote, like killed him and left him for dead seven years ago, why are they only just going through the, the, the motions of like signing the papers and transferring things now seven years later and not ages ago when assumedly it would be like okay he's been gone for a while it's safe to assume he's probably dead or not coming back well that's that's the that's the bit that that's makes no sense to me right is that the the inciting moment for her uh, in in going on this expedition in the first place is this conversation from her guardian anna who again is like not a character from the game I will, I will qualify. She's introduced in the sequel. And that is partially what's going on here is that the film was adapted at the same oh, time the sequel see, was I, I haven't played the sequel. So, so they've, they've, now. they've borrowed some elements. Well, the whole subplot of like Trinity is this evil organization that's doing like evil archaeology. Like that's from the sequel games. It doesn't appear in the first one at all. But in the second game, big plot point, right? So there's this whole context here where they're like, your dad's been dead for seven years. And she's like, no, I can't, I can't agree with that. And this guardian woman, Anna, is like, listen, you're riding a bike for Uber Eats. You're you're poor. You're behind on your rent. Like, girl, your your dad is rich AF. You need to just accept that he's dead. You need to sign the document that says, yeah, he's dead. And then you can inherit everything. That's what's going on, right? So the whole inciting incident is that she's like, no, I'm going to go on one last mission to try to find my dad who's been missing for seven years. She couldn't have done this a couple of years ago. Like, it makes it makes zero sense. In, in, from the point of view of like they needed a reason to get her on the island and so they just made up this whole backstory about her dad being missing and blah 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 but i'm like the game already gave you a reason for her to be on the island she says it explicitly it's one of the first two sentences of the game where she's like i'm on this expedition to find this island to prove to myself that i can i can have my own legacy that i don't have to live in the shadow of my father she it doesn't matter that he's dead that's not the point of the game at all the point is that she's trying to prove herself as this archaeologist explorer person and of course it it slaps her in the face and is like if you want to play with the the big archaeology boys you want to be the new indiana jones well then you're going to have to survive this brutal encounter and learn that the supernatural is real and blah 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 like that's a great 
concept. Why did we need to change that to like, I got to look for my dead dad. That's such a bullshit Hollywood. Like, come on. You know, the whole premise for her thing in the movie is she's trying to find her long lost dad, which isn't it at all in the game. In fact, I'm pretty sure in the game, one of the characters on the expedition team with her is her dad. Um, No, no. No? Was I wrong? No, her, her dad in the game is dead. He's already dead. Okay. Um, yeah, and like, and like the premise in the game is like they're trapped there, and then and then it's just, it's pure survival until they find out that they're trying to like um, take one of her friends from the team and sacrifice her to the sun god, and then it becomes a rescue mission. Yeah, it's actually like it, the tone of the game is completely different to the film, which for me is that's my issue with it. Right, is that if you're going to do an adaptation, you can be wildly different. But it needs to catch the premise or the tone and the feel of the thing. Like a good adaptation feels like it should belong, Mm -hmm. right? So the problem you've got with Tomb Raider is that the film does not look, feel, or or sound or have any vibe at all that feels like Tomb Raider. It's it's an action movie that has a character that's dressed like Lara Croft and they're on an island, but everything else is different. It doesn't feel the same. Because like replaying the game, man, I had all the lights out. I had my surround sound on. And there's like, it's so brutal. It's so intense. That that wolf attack at the beginning of the game. Oh my God. Yeah, that was another thing that surprised me about because I hadn't played the game before. This is, this is, like I had it, I bought it ages ago and I kept meaning to play it. And this is what get finally to dive in and, and see it through. But the game was so mm. much more gory and brutal than I expected. Some of the times when uh, you're in a situation where you're trying to dodge things and you can die, it's really brutal. Like if you fall in the water... You bang your, you smash your head against a rock, and there's blood going everywhere in the water when you die. There's that, there's that scene where like you're sliding down the rapids, and you're trying to dodge like all the spikes and the wooden and the wooden bits and the debris. And if you accidentally hit into one, you get impaled through the bottom of your jaw out the top of your skull, and it's it's incredibly brutal and gory. Um, when, yeah, it's absolutely savage. Yeah, when you get tied up and hung from the roof, and there's like rotting, fleshy corpses and skeletons, and like and like the entire cave is just drowned in blood. It, like I wasn't expecting it from Tomb Raider, but I also loved it because it, it it decided like no, this is what we are. We're leaning into this, and it it worked really well. Yeah, well, this is this was the first game of all the Tomb Raiders that had a mature rating. So before this they were very much more of an Indiana Jones PG type fair, right? Yeah, okay. And if you remember, there was there was an adaptation of the earlier Tomb Raiders. Hey, Angelina Jolie in it. Yeah, it came out 2001. And it's it's a PG thing. Yeah, this is much more of an action movie. It's PG-13, or I think it's PG-13. It might be M, but it's it's the idea is like, it's it doesn't lean into the the horrifying, right? Whereas the the new game, the reboot, they were, they were latching onto this dark, gritty thing that was happening in the early 2010s. And it worked incredibly well because they were like, it's a video game. It's not a movie. We can we can lean into this. And the audiences that grew up with the original Tomb Raider were old enough now to want to play a more visceral version of Tomb Raider. So it made sense. It fit in every level. But when you try to adapt that into a PG-13 movie, it just doesn't work because you're losing all of the bits that are making it what it is. It's that, it's that, in, it's that oppressive, you know, isolation, the fear... It's the brute, the deaths are so savage that you're like, oh my God, their consequences of failing are not just like, oh, well, better get a checkpoint. It's like, oh, I don't actually want to see what happens when she dies because it's really full on. Yeah. My favorite one early on was the, uh, when you're, when the game is doing the tutorial 
and it's teaching you how to like climb through the rocks and how to light a torch and it's like all the basic gameplay mechanics and the first time it teaches you that there will be consequences to failing the quick time events is when you're crawling through this rock and a dude grabs you and the game is like you have a limited amount of time to push this button or you will die and when she dies like if you don't get it right the first time a giant boulder crushes her to death and it's absolutely brutal Fuck. and you're like oh my god i never want to fail a quick time event again that's traumatic but the movie doesn't have anything like the consequences of the film or the stakes of the film never feel as real or as present as the stakes in the game so it's like it's that same thing they missed the premise and they missed the the on the edge of your seat life or death type stakes it doesn't feel that way it feels like a fun action movie which is again not shitting on the film too hard it's a it's a very fun little movie i enjoyed watching it my wife enjoyed watching it whatever right but it didn't it did not have the same effect on me as the game the game had me shook for hours as i was playing it the film was like oh it was pretty cool totally different vibe well it's, yeah it's like um that the game does such a good job of like this is like you're stranded on a island with storms everywhere like this is high stakes survival if you like if you fail it is a gruesome horrible death that you that like if you're playing if you are lara croft you want to do everything in your power to avoid um yeah it's 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 interesting being like and the 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 movie as well feels like I'm not I'm not sure what it was actually rated, but it feels very much like a PG thirteen. This is just a very fun action movie. One one thing that they got almost right that feels like what happened was if the film had been R rated, they would have nailed this this moment. But because the film is lower rated, I think it's an M rated film, right? Because there's like violence and guns, and so you have to have an M rating for that. But they couldn't be as brutal as the game. And it's this moment where where um, Lara kills a guy for the first time. So in the movie, like I'll do it the other way around. In the game, it's when she gets hold of a gun for the first time. Up until this point, you use a bow and arrow and you've killed some wolves and some deer uh, and you've, you've shot some people. Uh, oh no, I don't think you've killed any human at this point. You've just killed uh, deer and rabbits and whatever, right? And some wolves. Yep. Yeah. She gets hold of a gun for the first time and it's during this really brutal confrontation, which is like almost a sexual assault or like it feels like it was going in that direction it's this dude takes her prisoner yeah, their, their character it, de- it definitely feels like the, the the guy was like going on her being like I'm, I'm going to use you and it was a fight for survival right and so it feels really earned when she gets hold of the gun and she blows this dude's face off like it's so graphic she shoots him in the chin and it blows a huge chunk out of the top of his head his face is all fucked up. He's laying on the ground, like gurgling, like blah, blah, blah. yeah. It's so visceral. Oh my god! And and she has a full moment of like PTSD. That she takes a moment where she's like, "Oh my god, I killed a guy!" But then she realizes, like, I have to keep moving because yeah. there's other dudes with guns around. So it's it keeps her in that high stakes. But now you're like aware that she's capable of killing people, right? In the movie, she drowns a dude, and it feel it's like not quite the same. It's her and one guy and. He doesn't say anything that creepy, but it certainly has the impression of like they're alone in the woods. It's dark. He's he's much stronger than she is. What's going to happen? And she ends up somehow overpowering him and drowning him. And I'm just like, that's first of all absurd. I don't believe that. She, she, she lost it, her boxing match, but she's strong yeah. enough to take on this guy, righto. And then she has like a good thirty seconds of like deep breathing and going like, oh my god, I killed a guy. Oh my god, I killed a guy. I'm like, lady, you nearly got stabbed earlier in this movie. And you've seen the island where they're blowing stuff up. They're killing people. Like, why does this shock you? 
That moment should have happened 30, 40 minutes ago. So again, we're halfway through the film at this point where she finally takes her life. But from that point forward, she's meant to be like the full hero. Like that's it. She's achieved that moment. But it's nowhere near as brutal as it is in the game. And I just, I don't, it, you, you don't believe that she's feeling it. You know, it's so silly. Straight. I remember that's the bit where her dad reappears. She drowns the guy. <laughs> Has 30 seconds of going, oh my God, I'm a murderer. Oh my God, I'm a murderer. And then she sees her dad like in the forest. It's like, it's okay. Oh, her God, dad's here. That's right. He's been yeah. alive the whole time. It's so stupid. That, that was such a cheesy being like, he's going to bring it back. He's like, oh, he's just there. Go chase he's him. He's just there. And then, yeah, I and fully, then, I think then, I actually yeah. shouted out what the fuck as I was watching it. I was like, what? It made no sense. But I mean, you know what? Again, it's a fun movie, but the game was, it shook me on a fundamental level. Like the game mm-hmm. really was quite intense. So I feel like in that instance, it's a bad adaptation. It doesn't capture the vibe, the essence. It doesn't feel like Tomb Raider. It's also like in the game, there's a moment where she sits down with other characters, like from her expedition who she's friend, friends with. And they're talking about like the horrors they've gone through and, and like where they are now and what they've got to do next. Um, and it comes up that she's killed some people. And one of the things that she's like struggling to come to terms with that she says out loud is she was really shocked at how easy it was. And like, and like that was one of the bigger things that was um, really getting to her. And it, and it was just, it was just that moment of like the, of these characters being and be like, this is how it's affecting them, and this is like going to be like the long term consequences for them. And then in the movie is like, oh yeah, now nah, we're fine. Let's keep going. It's. I don't think she ever references it again. Actually, yeah. Yeah. Like in the movie, she's just oh, yeah, I drowned a guy to death. Oh well, it happened. I had to do it. Whereas in the game, yeah, I do think it's an interesting mechanic where like obviously the game gets quite a lot more shooty towards the end. There's a lot of shootouts. You get bigger guns. It's a very gameplay type thing where we have to give you bigger toys to play with and up the stakes and yeah, up the action and, like, and, as, and all that sort of flows. As a video game thing too, you keep like upgrading your weapons. But that's that, that's yeah. that, but also that's specifically for the player's enjoyment. That's not to do in context with Lara Croft. Yeah. And I thought that was interesting that they still, like they, they, they gave a nod, a brief polite nod to the fact that she has just killed like a ton of people. But it's like, you know, in the game, they're not going to be like, yeah, she murdered like 400 people to get off the island. Like, it's absurd. That's not what happened. So the game is kind of giving you that lampshading of going like, yes, we are aware that the game is getting into the realm of being a bit silly now. You're killing like 50 guys every 10 minutes and that's pretty weird. But in reality, like she is affected by it. She is having this moment with her friends being like, I think I'm going to have to see a professional when we get out of here because this is having a profound effect on me. And, And her whole idea of like, the premise of becoming her own person. Mm-hmm. She's realizing that the person she's becoming kills people. And she's like, I don't know if I want to be that person. And the others are kind of like, well, it's literally life or death. So I think maybe being that person is going to be very helpful in escaping this place. Maybe lean into that for now and we can deal with it later. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, nah, good call. Good call. But I love that they took that moment to just be like, yes, this is very not okay. We're doing a lot of killing. Yeah. That's not great. And like, and like really, and course, really yeah. contextualizing it, right? <laughs> they contextualize it and it works. I love that moment though too, because the game is able to let you breathe. It has these big action set pieces, yeah. but then you get to explore. The level of like, um, like open world freedom where you can fast travel between campsites and there's collectibles and you can have whole, you can spend a couple of hours where you don't have to kill anybody and you're just exploring and looking for things. That feels like great pacing. And I felt like the intensity of the game paid off by having these relaxed moments whereas the film doesn't have that the film is like we're going to give an action set piece and then five minutes of exposition and then a big action set piece it didn't actually take any time to breathe it just constantly was like 
And again, you know, it's an action movie, so that makes sense. But but the exposition part was almost silly. Like the camcorder comes back from the game, right? She has this camcorder that she's watching these tapes on. In the movie? In the movie, she picks up a camcorder for like 30 seconds. It's 20 minutes into the film and she watches a video of her dad explaining everything. Oh, that's right. And then she never uses the camcorder again. And I'm like, again, they just put it in to be like, yeah, we, we played it. You remember that from the game, the camcorder? It's here. We have it. The rest of it is like all this exposition where like, it's just her dad leaving her messages. It's letters and the video. Like she didn't need to go to the island and explore. She could have just stayed home and listened to her dad's podcast and she would have solved the whole thing. I mean, that's also another thing in, in the, that they're doing the movie too. Like she finally um, like opens her dad's like secret lab and finds out what he's been up to. And the first thing that she finds is a, a message specific to her from dad being like, don't follow this. This is fucked up. Like for your own good and for everyone's own good, burn this and leave it alone. And she's like, nah, I'm going to, I'm going to like pursue this instead. <laughs> I love that. Just straight up. Like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. It's, it's, uh, and that's also like a very like dumb movie logic thing being like okay here's, here's what not to do alright I'm just gonna do that and that's gonna be the movie I'm like I wish they could justify it in a much better context yeah um, it, w- it wasn't thought out in that way though you know no because also like that that um, logic and that level of thinking for the character clearly it, like in the game there would be more logic and sense to it and she would listen versus her in the movie she just doesn't and yeah. like thinking thinking about like that kind of um, changing up the character trait is incredibly frustrating. If you are thinking about like you know what what who Lara Croft is and what Tomb Raider is and and taking that in for the adaptation, you 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 want to keep that resemblance of like who this character is and what they're about. Changing a fundamental trait like that it makes it an entirely different thing. Yeah, I think for me that's that's what makes it a bad adaptation. Is like it's not about going look at the stuff from the game that we have we've got the plane we've got the stabbing we've got this we've got we've got a camcorder whatever and it's not about the stuff they introduced that's new with like her dad's alive there's this evil organization trinity like it's not about that it's that they completely missed the essence of what it was supposed to be mm. like it didn't it doesn't feel like the spirit of tomb you know how we talked it didn't in, understand in the episode? game at all it didn't understand it we talked about the goosebumps thing in fear street and it was like these feel like what they're trying to do Mm. you know we it has a spiritual tonality the 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 essence is there you know in tomb raider i didn't feel it at all i i watched it was like watching um a fan fan fiction or like watching cosplay of tomb raider where i was just like they're dressed up the right way but they're doing stuff that doesn't feel right at all you know yeah and i I feel like i mean now i'm thinking about uh matthias and that group of people again too and i'm like Again, if they had leaned into it and like and like w- and did it confidently well in a movie, I think the way they portrayed it could have worked. But because it was so haphazardly different and messy, it's just like this doesn't feel this doesn't feel consistent to what it should be about. Even even yeah. with it like you know uh, being different in context, it 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 didn't work in that in that way for me. I don't know if that makes sense, but like that's no the, totally yeah. yeah. That's the way it kind of felt for me. That's absolutely the vibe where, you know, I sort of sat there and went, uh, it's cool that they made the movie. And like, obviously a bunch of people got paid. It made some money at the box office. There's talk of them doing a sequel still. Although my understanding is that the sequel's in production hell. 
or, or development hell it, it yeah, has a name it, and there's a script but it's it hasn't been made in what that movie came out in 2018 it's now 2021 yeah in 2019 coming, like i saw an article about it in 2019 they said that the planned release date for tomb raider 2 was march of this year yeah so like um, i don't know if covid got in the way or who knows but it, i feel like if they do a sequel it's definitely not going to be an adaptation of the sequel games it's no. going to be its own thing because it has to be at this point. Well, it, it's it's going to be her going after Trinity for the next movie, which, yeah. I, which I think too, like if this is the point where the movies diverge and it becomes its own storyline, I actually think that's a good thing. Um, I I know, mean, it, oh, it has to be a good thing at this point. They can't go the other direction. They, so. th- th- yeah, no, they have to. If they do anything else, then it's it's going to be even worse. Um, I also thought, I thought it was interesting too with the game uh, in terms of all the... Um, character moments and points where Lara Croft is like I don't know if this is this is um, what am I saying I don't know if this is the person that I'm becoming that I want to see this through but I have to because it's life and death and then mm. at the very end of the game she makes that decision not to go home she's going to keep investigating other things um, for, for the sake of the point being larger than herself yeah I, at least that at least that was my takeaway from it no I definitely yeah she, she at the end of the game she has this whole thing where they're like we're finally going home um, and she's, I think she's reading a journal or she's writing in a journal yeah. and she's like, I solved this supernatural mystery and now I know that the supernatural is real. And she just finishes the game with this line of like, we're not going home yet. We've got to go somewhere else or something like that. And the idea is that like, she, now that she knows that the supernatural is real, she wants to go and explore other myths and she's going to do other stuff to like be that tomb raider, be this person that she's become and really embrace it yeah. as opposed to just going home and being like, all right, well, I'm going to go back to studying or whatever I was doing first. That feels like it's setting up for a really good sequel, and it does. The second game in that trilogy is oh, yeah, amazing. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, a, I'm gonna get the next two games now. Play them because I really enjoyed playing Tomb Raider. Um, yeah, it's really good. You're gonna love it. But it's, I just think the movie doesn't have the same sort of. It doesn't feel the, like the the movie is ending, and it's like okay, I should put this out there. It, it doesn't the have ending the same of the revelation. film. Is, it doesn't have the same revelation, and it ends on a joke. And it ends like a nod to the original games, which I really hated. I hated it I so much. Oh, God. No, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Where she gets so, like the two pistols. Right? So Nick Frost is in this film as a cameo. And it, I watched, when I first watched it, I was like, hang on. Why is Nick Frost in this as like a pawn shop dealer? What the hell? This is weird. And I was. It, I, just, it, I, I, I just assumed that was because like he likes the games and got the opportunity to be in a movie. Right? I was like, oh, this is weird, but whatever. And I, I just sort of let it go the scene doesn't seem to have any purpose where it is in the film except that she needs money so she goes to a pawn shop okay whatever right again the first hour of the film makes almost no sense it's silly but then at the very end of the film it's almost like it's a post credit scene but it's not it's before the credits yeah she goes back to the pawn shop and there's nick frost again and now she's rich and she puts all this money down and she's gonna buy back the jade whatever it was thing that she she sold at the beginning of the movie yeah and nick frost is like, yeah no worries after. And then she sees this, like, okay, so I want to put this in perspective. They're in London. It's really clear that the, everyone in this is British. She's home in England where they have some of the strictest gun laws of anywhere in the <laughs> yeah. world. But through the corner of her eye, she spots a giant gun cabinet in the back of the pawn shop. That, first of all, completely absurd. Which has, like, z- which has like assault rifles and shit like yeah. that. Even if it only had pistols, there is zero reason that that would exist in London in a pawn shop. And that it would be in clear view. Absolutely no chance. That that moment, of like, if, if you just cut that scene from the film, it's a much better film. 
that that scene retroactively ruins the two hours that preceded it because then she's like, I'm going to buy it. And the, the shop assistant, Nick Frost's wife, I gather, is like, that's a Glock P90, fucking blah, 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 blah. Like she's a gun expert, whatever. So she and, pulls and- it up and she goes, I'll take two of them and holds them up in the iconic original Tomb Raider dual pistol pose. And I was like, nah, you're fired. Get out. Straight away, I wanted to vomit in my mouth. It was so bad. It was crass. It was a terrible joke. She could have just had a massive fart on screen and it yeah. would have been better than that. Like, it was so terrible. And, like, it, it was immediately after finding out that um, the company that she'd inherited from her dad, which she, which she just said to, um, I forget the character's name, but whoever's, like, running things, she said, you keep running this because I'm not this kind of person. And then as soon, as soon as she leaves the room, she works out that, oh, no, she's actually bad. <laughs> um, yeah. And then, like, and so she goes, she goes through and sees, like, the... Um, you know, the classic Charlie Day, uh, everything on the wall of all the red tape and lines going everywhere and seeing, like, where Trinity is all across the world and all these corrupt files, which this is now her mission to, like, go through and work this out and, and bring it down. And the way she does it is by going to this pawn shop and getting two pistols and a leather jacket. Yeah. And I'm like, hmm, okay. It's so okay. stupid. It's so stupid. I, I, that that killed it for me. I think, look, if I'm... Again, I'm, I'm a filmmaker, right? And mm. I don't want to shit on my my peers so like i don't know the director i don't know the people who wrote this they're all you know a million degrees separated from me i don't know them all but it still feels wrong to really shit on somebody's work so i want to preface what i'm about to say by saying that like i have the greatest respect for these people they obviously worked really hard on this film you know a lot of money was spent a lot of people got paid a job was done right and and no one sets out to make a bad movie. Nobody, no, nobody every, stood there at the beginning of this. Everyone wants it to be a good movie, and that's that's, that's everybody that's, planned for this to be a great film. Everybody, yeah. it's not a very good movie. It's a fun little action romp. If you've got two hours and nothing else to do, it's fun. It's entertainment. Having said that, like I am shocked at how bad it is, considering how good the game is. Like it's weird to me that they managed to do what is unarguably a mediocre film as an adaptation of a very good game. Yeah, I think... And I think like that's part of why it stands out to me a lot too, being like... Um, the movie is good if you take it as a dumb movie. Like, it's, tre- yeah. it's, it's not treating its audience as a smart audience. Basically, like, oh, if you've played these games... He's like the little nods were like she uses a bow and arrow. The um, climbing axe looks exactly the same in its design, and she does all and she does like these specific moments. She gets stabbed in a specific way, but that's it. Other than those yeah. specific moments that that are, that are a little nod in reference, the movie is entirely different and not treated in the same respect as the game does to its audience. Yeah, I feel it's I feel like it's a much better film if you haven't played the game. You're you're gonna go into it going like okay I haven't played the game wow right. But if you have played the game, you should massively lower your expectations of the film. Because it does not reach the pinnacle that that game does. It was I mean, that game it, won awards. Yeah. It's a brilliantly made game. It is interesting because like I I finished the game and immediately, like I, as the credits rolled, I was like, oh, I have two hours before the next thing. I'm going to watch the movie right now. And in that moment, I really enjoyed the movie. But it's also like it's not until like I start reflecting on it now and like having this discussion with you where I'm like being like, oh no, there's there are all like all these different elements and things that stood out in good and bad ways. And like the more I'm discussing, the more I'm like actually like the way the the way it treated like the context and the characters and everything was actually like really undervaluing what Tomb Raider is. Yeah. I don't okay. So like we, we can shit talk it all day, but I, I am curious 
if we were if we were given this project, you and I as film producers, we're going to redo this adaptation. So For we Tomb don't Raider? get to change. Yeah, we don't get to change anything about the game. The game stays as it is, but we get to do a movie. What do we do differently? How do we make this movie more Tomb Raider? I think the first thing I'd ask is, does it have to be a movie? I think inherently, I'd be more curious to do it as like a miniseries. Ooh, that's a really good point. A six-part by one-hour miniseries yeah. would absolutely rock this. That would be amazing. Um, and that way, like, I, I, like we can have more time to actually delve into like, here are the characters. He's also the rest of the team, so we have like we um, have like these are the people who you care about and why you should care about in the context for them in the story. And then when we go into things later, the stakes feel much bigger when like someone someone gets captured or someone dies and all that kind of thing. Um, I would also make sure too. So the whole thing with Himiko and the island and, and the Japanese culture, because that got changed a lot between the game and the movie. I'm not sure if that's based off a an actual like Japanese mythos or anything like that, but I'd want to make sure I look into that and be like, okay, if this is what the game does. I'd want to try and match that as closely as I can as well, because I like in the movie uh, they talk about Himiko being this um, goddess of death and destruction. And with, her, with, her, with just the lay of her hand, she kills so many people. And it's revealed later on that she was a carrier for this um, disease that killed everyone. But mm. that's not how it is in the game. In the game, she's a sun queen, and um, she is transferring her soul into like the next host. I, sp- I mean, I suppose it's pretty dark in intention in both ways, but like I, I don't know. That, that they're handled is, very differently, yeah. They're handled very differently, and I'd want to be v- really careful about how we handle that in the ad- adaptation as well. Um, I think I think it could work. I think a six-part miniseries where you have time to to change the narrative from being a brutal survival story mm-hmm. into a rescue mission to to get the rescue. We have time to meet the crew so that then we feel like we need to rescue them. Because I, I really liked the crew in the game too. Oh yeah, they're great. And These like, characters, and like, I yeah. Felt, I felt like I was... I, I forget all their names, but... um. The one, the one of the characters who was the chef in the game and had like yeah. the, the tattoos on his arms, arms and stuff too, and he Samoan, yeah, that dude was great. Yeah, and, and I was like, you know, when you rescue him along with a group of people, and then like he helps you along towards the end, I felt like it, contextualized with Lara Croft and her relationship to these people, I felt like I cared about them, and I wanted, I wanted to make sure that they were okay. Um, and you know, it's not just being like we're on this island and I'm looking for my long lost dad because I'm like mm. it's it's entirely about me. Um, so you, we would what you're saying is we would hew much closer to the the game narrative for starters. Well, I mean, I, we're, if we're adapting the game, then yeah, that, that that's what I would want to try and do. So the um, bits the bits that are un unshootable then, right? From my mind, are all the 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 shootouts. If the TV show has a hundred shootouts where fifty people die, it loses all credibility. Well, for I mean, the TV okay. Show. So the shootouts, for example, is a very specific like video gamey thing. If you're mm-hmm. going to do something like that, like you can have a fight to the death in our series, and we can have multiple fights to the death, but they don't always have to be shootouts. So they can be much more close. Maybe like someone on top of you trying to strangle you, and and mm-hmm. like be right there in that moment, and that's high stakes in that moment too. So we could do stuff of that. Because we could do stuff where, like, maybe they're traveling together and they get knocked out and wake up, and like your friends are gone, and then like that—that's how you have to go for the next thing. Mm. Um, 
I like the idea of ramping it up so that we we save a lot of the really over the top action for the final episode where you embrace the supernatural. You know, she's fighting ancient Japanese warriors who have, you know, affected yeah, the zombies and, I'd, and stuff. I'd want to include those Japanese warriors. I'd also yeah. want to include a lot of the supernatural stuff. I would also want to include a lot of like the high intense gore and high stakes things too. I'd want a lot of narrow misses with death from Lara Croft. Mm. Um, I feel like I feel like that's what we're describing. Really, is what we want from the Last of Us TV show adaptation. We're like, <laughs> it really. I want it to follow the story, and if it's going to follow the story, I want it to do it properly. I want to feel that the stakes are high. I want to feel that brutality, that visceralness. And I, I guess I'm partial. I'm partly afraid that they can't do that on TV. But then they kind of can. A lot of recent shows are, you know, effectively R-rated um, to the point where, like, yeah, you can show stuff now in a limited series with a high rating on a streaming service that yeah. you could never put on free to air TV. Yeah. I feel, I, I feel like, uh, that's one of the, that, that that's, um, a good thing that's come out of streaming services too, is like being like, we don't have to abide by like these different channels and editors division rules. We can show whatever the fuck that we decide we want to show. Um, yeah, I think that's a key thing. So like, okay, that to me feels like a, that would be a good adaptation. You, you know, we tackle the tonality, the story is still about Lara becoming this person that she wants to become. Because I think and too embracing that, you know, I yeah. feel like that's the key thing. If you can nail that, you've got a good adaptation. Because I think as well too, like part of part of with the movie being two hours and like not getting to the island until halfway through, that like having to fit everything into that two hour runtime compared to what happens in the game is very limiting, and it's yeah. un- and it's understandable how much they had to cut to make that movie work. So if I was doing uh, an adaptation from the game, I would try and see if I can do a longer format. Mm. Yeah, the movie had that whole thing where she's a bike messenger or a bike carrier or something. And it made zero sense to me because it never comes into play again. What What was the reason for that being her backstory? Was it just so that we could see Alicia Vikander race a bicycle through the streets of London? Like that, it, it lost me completely because I was like, it never comes back. She doesn't like save the day by riding a bicycle very fast on the island. No, there's no, there's nothing to do it. with the bicycle on the island. It just felt like, okay, here's going to be like a fun, like speedy moment we're going to do in this bit. For why not? We're just going to do this because like we think it's cool. To show that she's competitive or something? Like, I don't know. I, it yeah. felt really weird. And to me, I'm like, that's the sort of stuff that probably shouldn't have left the writer's room. Where if you're doing an adaptation and you're going, this would be so cool. She's a bike messenger. We get to race through the streets on a bicycle. Blah, 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 blah. To me, that feels like something that was written already and that they've shoved into this film because the writing team and the director really wanted it to be in the movie. But like, in terms of what it achieves, nothing. I, I got nothing from that. So I'm like, if you're doing an adaptation and you're trying to capture that essence and really do it justice, Yeah, you, you really shouldn't be trying to shoehorn in stuff because you think it looks cool. You, you should be trying to go, okay, as we know as producers, right, every scene should serve the premise of the film. And that scene did not, to me, serve the premise of the film. And that might be because I've misunderstood the premise of the film because I was looking for the premise of the game, which is not in it. Or it just isn't useful as a scene. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking now too, being like, okay, if I did this as a miniseries, like what would I do? What would I include for the first episode to set things up for the, for the next episodes? And I think immediately like what I'm, what I'm drawn to, to doing is start out like on the boat of the, of the ship of the endurance going there. And we're spending a good, a good amount of the first episode on that ship before they encounter the storm, mm. introducing you to these characters, the different power, power dynamics, Lara being like, we should do this, but, um, I forget the name of of the blonde guy with the glasses in the game who ends up like helping oh, up Matthias. 
Whitmer or Whitaker or something like that. Whitman? Yeah, something. Whitman, that's it. It's um, Whitman, like the chocolate. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and, you know, shutting down Lara and, like, deciding not to listen to her. So, like, you know, showing, like, who from this team we should watch out for, who's tr- trusting who's on Lara's side. Then we go through, like, the storm and everything that happens there. And I think I probably end that episode with them being shipwrecked on the island. You see them coming on shore and then, like, maybe, like, a, a behind-the-shoulder shot of, like, uh, figures going down towards them, moving down towards them. Um, which would be Matthias with his cult, with his cult-like group mm. for, for for this series, um, and that'd be the credits. Like you haven't seen them get them yet, but you see that they've seen them and they're going to go down towards them. Oh, that's interesting. I would I would almost go a lot closer to the game, and I would have you know in an hour-long episode, I would have fifteen minutes, maybe twenty, of them meeting the crew and understanding the boat, and then I would shipwreck them straight away, and I would be like halfway through the episode, we're on the island, it's yeah. all gone wrong. Like I would, I would lean into the end of the first episode would happen as she escapes the caves and she finds the radio and she radios and she, after she gets she's one of the been, guys. So after she's been like strung up as well. Yeah. Yeah. So we know yeah. that there's people and we know that they're bad people and we know that there's some scary, crazy cult shit going on on the island, but we don't know what's going to happen next, but she finds the radio and she radios and someone responds and then we cut to credits Dun, oh, dun, dun. and we don't know who, is, who, who it is responding yet. Exactly. Yeah, that's what cool. I would do. You know, that's probably just me watching like a ton of shows when I was younger where it always ends on that. You have to tune in next week for the cliff, you know, cliffhanger type ending. Well, that, that, so it's like, we don't need that in a too. streaming service. You could just binge the next episode. But for me, I'm like, no, it needs to end on a, on a hook. Why? Why should I come back next Wednesday? <laughs> I don't know why it's a Wednesday. <laughs> it just feels to me like it's a Wednesday night show. I don't know. Oh, that was kind of my thing too, like ending the show on like the behind the shoulder silhouette of the figures being like, there are other people already on this island. What's going to yeah. happen? That feels like lost. That feels like we're leaning into like, it's a, it's a, it's a 24 hmm. uh, episode season. We're going to run this for half a year. You're going to have to tune in every week. It, We've got to have this clip. We don't want to do that. We don't want I to mean, do that. I mean, that's that's also like an interesting thing too. When it, where like as soon as you start talking about being shipwrecked on a on a deserted island as a series, yeah. this is like oh, so we're we're doing Lost. <laughs> yeah, which I never oh, I never um, finished Lost. I watched like the first couple episodes, but I was, I'm gonna, was, I'm going to say you sh- you should finish it. But oh man, it's a slog. It's six seasons. They're very long yeah. seasons. I think that's There's another a reason lot why I of filler. Yeah. <laughs> There's a ton of stuff you don't need, which. I would actually be fascinated. There's probably somebody's probably done a a list of lost episodes that like you must watch in order to understand the overarching narrative. Because I know somebody did it with X Files, which I found really good. Because I went back and rewatched X Files recently. Uh, that's on my recently, list to watch soon. Is to go through the X Files. Yeah, and somebody had made a list of like these are the monster of the week episodes and these are the overarching story episodes. So if you wanted to skip some, mm. you can. You can be like, I don't need whatever context is in that episode because none of the major story arcs are addressed. Maybe somebody should do that with Lost if they haven't already and be like, how do I compress six seasons of 24 episodes into something much more manageable for my my time in this busy world? And be like, actually, I only want to watch maybe 50 episodes total. Is that even doable? This is a good challenge, actually. Could you compress the entirety of Lost into like 25 episodes? I tell you Could what, if you, if you can like curate that playlist of like specifically the plot related episodes for, for Lost, I will watch only those episodes and I'll come back to you about and see how it goes <laughs> maybe we should do this but you know what I, my problem I, I is I don't want to have to rewatch all of <laughs> Lost in order to make that list 
You know, I, I thought about this actually in terms of Rick and Morty because, like, it's a show I really like, but I, on, I only really like the episodes that are plot-specific, which is really... You're so, one of those people. Yeah, I, which is really only, like, one or two episodes a season. Like, with the latest season of Rick and Morty, a lot of it where it was, like, Adventure of the Week and them doing... This is going to sound like I'm shitting on Rick and Morty, but, like, them doing their own bullshit. I was like, I don't care. I don't care about this Thanksgiving Day fight with the president. Who I, it, who gives a shit? I want to hear more about the arc and, like, the evil Morty and what's happening in the larger grand scheme of things with with Rick's specific story. I love it. I love it so much. I can hear the the what little audience <laughs> we have for this just absolutely rolling around in agony as you say this. Because, of course, the show makers themselves hate the story arc episodes and they're explicit where they're like in the final episode of this season and they they almost overtly have them saying here's your fucking story episode now shut the fuck up we're not doing another one for a while but that really is funny that's the only thing i'm interested in with that show like my favorite episode of that show is rick potion number nine when they when they fuck up their universe cronenberg it and have to go go into another one and you see like the traumatic effect it's had on morty oh yeah that is how they and like how they go through all that kind of stuff and it's it's the continuation of that kind of storyline is what i'm interested in i don't care about fucking robot mutated turkey warriors that's so funny (laughs) oh my god oh my god i love it i love it so much well look okay so i'm I'm definitely not gonna do that's that's a whole other rant but like we're going into a whole rant but on that the the point i brought that up though was to be like you know what you're saying about curating the story plot relevant episodes of lost i've been thinking about doing that if i rewatch rick and morty like i'll just watch like the couple episodes that are actually Mm. relevant for that overarching um thing that i care about I am I am curious about the last thing now. I'm definitely not going to do it, but um, I wonder <laughs> if there's other shows that you could do this with. I know that it's really it's a sign of those late 90s, early 2000s serialized shows where an overarching narrative was becoming popular, but the seasons were so long. So you had shows like Buffy, which very clearly has an overarching story, but had a ton of filler episodes for like, you know, because they had to. They had to have episodes to fill out the season. And I'm like, now, yeah, you go back and just cut a whole bunch of those out. And like, is the story better or worse? And I found it was really interesting. We're talking about adapting uh, a 12 hour game into six episodes. Why? Why not make it 12 episodes? Why do we have to go half? You know, like it's this, I love this well, you, idea you know, that you know we've just decided, we, you know, you can't have it exact. So it needs to be compressed somehow. But we didn't use, if we had done a, a Tomb Raider TV show in the early 2000s it would be 24 it, w- it would have been a serialized show absolutely yeah um I well, mean, what it, would it, she have done on episode six where there's no story elements would she have just wandered around the island collecting items like because that's yeah, what happens w- in the would game we, would we have an episode where it's just about the collectibles exactly <laughs> i kind of want to see that i don't know what it would look like but like i'm not against the idea well, it's also interesting to me being like you know having a six-part miniseries and you're talking about what if we extended it to 12 i'm like the other thing i think about too is also like what if we halved it to three Ooh, because then, then you're getting into like it's it's longer than a movie but it's shorter than a limited series yeah you know that's not a, it's and, not a and terrible then, idea and it's you know you're, you're asking your audience for like it's a miniseries but like it's not a huge commitment or buy-in but then you also have a little bit longer time to establish things and get into the meat of it mm. maybe that's it we don't need a six-part miniseries we just need a very long movie that's that's the real problem here is that two hours is not long enough to do it justice yeah so you have to be making well, these, I mean, these it, difficult calls 
Two hours is definitely not long enough to do it justice when you waste the first hour not being on the island. Yeah, but it, it sort of makes sense to me that like that that came about almost by by committee. I think right, it's it's horse designed by committee. Yeah, where they've they've been given this twelve hours of game, and the writers have sat there and gone, "All right, well, cut at least half of that immediately. We can't do any of this supernatural stuff. The budget won't hold for that. Like, there's other considerations as filmmakers that we haven't covered in this." It would have meant they couldn't do stuff, right? So the supernatural stuff, we can't do any of that. The budget's not there. Get rid of it. We can't do this big action set piece, too expensive. Get rid of it, right? Mm-hmm. So they would have cut a lot of stuff just because it wasn't physically possible for them to put it on screen. And so then they're going, okay, shit, we've just cut like all of the extra crew from the ship. We need a expositionary tool. We need to now deliver a story that would have been delivered through them in a different way. And in the end, right, after multiple discussions and cutting out and carving things and blah, 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 they've ended up going, all right, all right. So we're going to have to give all of this exposition at the beginning and we're going to stretch it out like this and we're going to show that she could do that by putting her in a boxing ring. And so they've, they've made all these decisions, I think, in the writing area of it, right, right, early on and way before they've gone into production. They've got now a two-hour script, right? And they've gone, you know, 120-page script looking at it going, yeah, this makes sense. This makes total sense. We, we, we got rid of the stuff that we can't do and we've had to add a bunch of stuff in order for the story to make sense. This is great. And it probably wasn't until they got into the edit that they were like, oh man, this doesn't feel like Tomb Raider. But at that point, it's too late. You've committed. You know, you've made that call. And like you and I and, both know yeah. this. You, and you, 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 you can change the story to a certain degree just in the editing room based on what you've got. But like at, at that point too, like you have to work with what you've got. Yeah. I mean, they say, they, this is the, one of my favorite things, that a film is born three times. Yeah. Once is when you write it, once is when you shoot it, and once is when you edit it, right? Because you, and, you and can in that salvage. In, in that sense yeah. too, the editor has the final say. Yeah, exactly. You, you, you can salvage a mediocre film in the edit. You can. It is doable. People do it all the time. Absolutely. What you can't do is take a, uh, a really bad movie and make it really good in the edit because you're missing stuff. You have to go back and reshoot things. This feels like a film where they got to the edit and went, all right, we're going to have to add a bunch of stuff with her on a bicycle for some reason. And we're going to have to do this and this. And maybe they went back and did reshoots or maybe that all happened before they got to the edit because they went, there's no way we can shoot half of what's in this video game. We're going to have to just make stuff up as we go. So it was a compromise from the get go. Right. I'm like, does that happen with games? Do you think the game went through that process of like, they were in the middle of production going, Oh my God, this is not working. What do we do? Like you're you're more well versed. Well, in the I mean, in in that sense, like because game because games is more of an iterative, iterative process. If they are testing something, and they'll be testing something before they've like polished all the final art and like make made it look like the finished product too. So if they test a mechanic or a quest line and being like this isn't working, they have time to go back. Okay, well if it's not working, let's like either rewrite it or workshop it or scrap it. And we have other stuff to do. Like the entire process of games from the get go is like we're gonna. Like, say, um, with Tomb Raider, they're adding, like, the different, to- like, tombs that you can raid and the different puzzle mechanics for that, too. It's like, okay, so if this is an optional thing and we're getting the player to do this every now and then, how often do we put these in in relation to the story? Is it, is it going to be too detracting? Is it going to work? How does that work? Okay, how do we test this? We test this with our quality assurance department. We test it with players and we get feedback. If it's not working, what do we do? Okay, well, we're still working on that we can change the design the mechanics we haven't finished all the art yet so it's fine it's not final we can adjust and tweak it and change things as we go or we can scrap it and put in different ones and just like yeah it's it's not it's not a thing where like in film it's like okay we, we've 
been shooting and now in, in editing, so we have to work with what we've done in shooting. No, in games, you can just be like, okay, we can just go back and tweak this. This is why games get updates all the time because they can just go in and mm-hmm. change things because it's not a, it's it's never a final thing. It's much easier to iterate on it. Which which we've seen people do in films, but it's never it's never a good thing. You know, I say this is like you end up with a director's cut, and then there's the ultra final director's cut, and then there's a version I mean, that those, comes out those, of Blu-ray where the color grade is different. And I mean, those, like, those are just marketing buzzwords, anyway. Yeah, but I do think that's fascinating. That like maybe the film would have ended up a much closer adaptation if it had been able to follow that same process mm. and be like, we're going to start shooting it. We're going to see what we've got. We're going to then iterate on that, do better, do bigger. But it's like, obviously that's too expensive. You can't do that. That's, right? that's that, why these big it's, Hollywood it's films just not, don't do that. Because like film inherently, like when you're on set shooting is both, both in terms of resources and money and time is so much more expensive compared to game development. Yeah. Straight straight up, if you if you're on set for a day of shooting, you have your cast. Be like like let's 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 say you have two people for your cast. Then you have your crew. You have your director. You have your DOP. You have your lighting. You have your, you have your sound. You have your catering. Like the crew will be at least ten people. Let's mm. let's say, and then you know you you've got your above the line people, your producers, like making sure everything's running. You'll have safety if you need. I mean, for this kind of movie, Tomb Raider, you would you'd have stunts, you'd have safety, you'd have props and effects and and blood. This is at least one person for each of these roles, like a different person. And then, you know, you, you're getting like, you, you film it, you have it, and then you're taking it to the next bit. We're like, we have this that we have to work with because we've invested so much in it already. Games, you have your team. You, you, you're not bringing in any extra people at any point of the process, all right? Like, it may, maybe you'll, you'll bring in, like, people to play test the game, but that's also something you just contract for a day. Um, mm. So, you know, you'll, for, for a game, you'll have your director but you'll have programming art and design and writing as your main things so rating the tombs that'll be uh level design and th- th- that's design so that's one department maybe even if you're thinking in the game one person if they're like oh if this is not working okay let's look at my process and let's like go back over my notes and revise and change this and okay i can implement that in an afternoon and we can test it and it's so, very it, hard to do that in film. Yeah. So like, <laughs> so if you're on film and you're and you're shooting a thing and you're shooting this bike chase scene and and you're coming to the editing editing room floor, I'm like, this is like this doesn't work. This doesn't make any sense. But the studio's being like, no, like we invested so much time and money into this bike chase scene, you're using it in a film. Yeah, like we blocked off streets. All these people got paid so much money. This took three weeks to do. We've already put it in the trailer. They're like, yeah. it has to go in the movie. You whereas, have no whereas, choice. It's going know, in the film. In a game, if you're if you're testing a bike mechanic, it's like, okay, well, I mean, first you've also got to build the bike from scratch for the game. But that that's a, like that sounds like a big big thing, but it actually isn't really because you, you build it and you test it as you go, and then it's like, okay, well, <laughs> it's a bunch of game devs listening to this just absolutely writhing. <laughs> not a big deal. It's not. It's, <laughs> like it's easy. <laughs> I mean, it, to, to be honest, like building something like that from scratch is a big task. But like compared to yeah, relatively speaking, making that and doing that in a film in a film sense, it's an entirely different ballpark. Yeah. Um, I, I love the idea that maybe somewhere on the cutting room floor of the Tomb Raider film, there was a whole island sequence where she rode a bicycle to save someone or did like a really impressive thing. And it's like down the, like the bicycle race. Side. Yeah. And like the yeah. bike race did have a payoff and it just got cut at the last minute, but it was like, it's too late now. They can't cut it from the beginning of the film because there's a bunch of exposition and stuff that happens there and it got paid for and it has to go in the movie now. But I'm like, I wonder if you could re-edit. Actually, this is a really good question. We're talking about like re-editing 
a mm. season of Lost into a shorter season. Could you recut Tomb Raider as it exists, not adding any new footage, but recut it into a better adaptation of the game? Thing is, if you're only using the footage from the movie, you'd probably only end up with something that's 45 minutes long. But 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 would it be a more spiritually true adaptation? I also don't know because they fundamentally changed a lot in the writing. They did, they did. I'm very curious though. I'm almost this again. This is the same as the lost problem. I really want to see this, but I'm way too lazy to do this myself. But I, I do, I do, I am curious if I opened up this film in editing software and just started chopping stuff out. Yeah. I mean, you could lose a whole lot of that first hour. I mean, I know but then once you get to the island, I wonder if you could do it, you know? Someone did do that with the Hobbit trilogy and took away all the bullshit and made a just one movie that was a good that was a good adaptation of the Hobbit book. But that's editing it that's editing a trilogy down into one movie. People have done that with uh, the that, Star Wars films, and the prequel trilogy. That's also, to be fair, too, like the the elements from the from the book of the Hobbit in the movie are actually like faithful to what happens in the book. Yeah, Tomb, so you've got Tomb stuff Raider. To work with. It's not faithful to what happens in the game. Yeah, yeah, you'd you'd really be paring that down into not much. I'm curious though. Part of me is like, I would love to see that. I'm not going to do it though. But maybe, maybe I will convince one of my students to have a crack at it as an exercise. Who knows? Who knows? Could be fun. How are you? Um, how are you rewarding your students for this? You're just giving them like extra credit with their marks. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I, I can't really do that. That seems pretty unfair. I'd just be like, I'll owe you a favor. You know. And, oh. and when it comes to film production, favors are always very useful. That's yeah. a shit you want to be able to catch in. That's the kind of thing. That, yeah, that's the kind of thing. Like in the film industry, that everything works on favors all the time and I, I, i'm just thinking like there's a whole thing here where the subtext that we're getting at is that like the entire film of tomb raider was done as a favor <laughs> to someone else <laughs> like that's why it is the way that it well, is I mean, the, somebody the, who owned a bicycle shop was like you really need to get <laughs> alicia mccander as lara croft riding one of my bicycles i mean there are, there are always certainly deals too people of actors or directors out there that they'll be like i'll sign on to do like two or three of these shitty movies as long yeah. as afterwards i can make the movie that i want to make yeah um, absolutely i've got a, so i've got another question for you too so the borderlands movie is coming out soon yes. obviously we have no idea what it's going to be like yeah we know the cast and we and we know some of the process but mm. Let's ignore the fact that the movie's coming out. If you had to take Borderlands, the video game series, mm. and adapt it, how would you go about it from the start? That's a difficult one. The nature of the game makes that really hard. The nature of I, the game is very video gamey. It would you'd probably I would probably go down the route of either uh, not a straight adaptation. So I would I would pick a character from the game that is not one of the people that you play as. Would it, and I would, would it be tell a, that story? Would it be a prominent character? Like, yeah, probably like Captain Jack. Like, yeah, I do like Handsome Jack, or I would do uh, Claptrap or someone. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. but I, w- I would pick I would pick a major character that people would recognize and be like, oh yeah, or like Tiny Tina, for example. Right, pick her. Yeah, and be like, let's gonna we're gonna do a film about her, and it's like her origin story, or it's just a thing that happens to her, or something like that. And then the players, the characters that you can play as in the game, would be like brief cameos. They would appear in a scene. Maybe even in the background of a scene, but like they would be minimal in it. Because if you try to go the other way, and I really hope the Borderlands TV show slash film or whatever it is doesn't do this, but if you try to do the player characters as the main characters, you you shot yourself in the foot because well, that, they that don't, is what they're doing. Ah, that kills me because it's a then it's an ensemble cast. How do you do each of those characters justice when in in the game? their personality is your personality you make the decisions for what those characters do that gets really difficult right in a game like tomb raider 
the character has a personality and you're inhabiting that character in borderlands you are that character you are making those decisions and your decisions then extrapolate out i don't know how you would do that narratively i don't i don't see how that would work i would i would have to go the other route and pick a character tell that story in that universe but it would not be a direct adaptation of events from a game I think Borderlands would be a particularly hard one to adapt to. I'm going to be really interested to see what the movie ends up being like. But it's also like... Of course, yeah. They have the added benefit of the studio being involved. The actual game studio is making the the project. I feel like that's going to be a huge leg up. Well, you say that as well. Square Enix or Square Enox, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, um, was involved with the movie for Tomb Raider as well. Like in the credits, it says a Square Enix production. Yeah, I feel like that was... um, but I think they're the publisher. In the sense that they, the, yeah, yeah, I think they're the publisher. They, they, they provided. Well, I know, I know, having looked it up on Wikipedia, that they definitely had access to the development version of the second Tomb Raider game, uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider, because they implemented elements like Trinity into so, the story of this film. So, so they definitely had access comes to in, the company. So Trinity is a plot point that comes up in Rise of the Tomb Raider. And yeah, and, she and, discovers that they are. Um, essentially like evil archaeologists right they're they're looking for i'm not doing this justice at all but they're they're looking for weapons or tools or things from like ancient mythology and like power that they they know yeah they they, they're looking for power basically because they they are aware that the supernatural is real so trinity as this company um is is funding these expeditions to go to these scary places and we learn that they are evil during the second game you know we come across them and then lara has multiple shootouts with them and it's this whole plot line that like her dad was involved in this and he knew about it and maybe worked with them or for them and so she's now redeeming her father's legacy by taking them down and and effectively saving the world so that, that's that's where they borrow that but again her dad is like definitely dead like the whole plot line of him being alive on the island is complete nonsense so like they they took they again they've cherry-picked elements of the second game before it even came out and we're like it feels the same right and you're watching it going nah not even close okay on the uh, i'm trying to think of another thing now too so i don't have an example but maybe i'll ask you to see if you can think of one but like do the opposite way take a movie or a tv show one that that one that you like a lot that you think you could um workshop into adapting as a video game oh yeah i mean what, what, what would okay. be a good one that like hasn't had a game adaptation there's some pretty there's some pretty interesting stuff when we talk about tv right if we do movies there's probably a bunch of those because you could talk about how like um the spider-man films have got multiple games and all this sort of stuff like it's been done right yeah but and you could argue that the reason that the new spider-man games are so good is because they're adaptations of the comic stories not of the film so that's that's where you're like getting into some gray area here and in, and, TV, and in that sense it's separate to the movies that everyone knows exactly yeah they're separate it's like we all get that it's spiritually spider-man but they don't have to be true to the film or the comics because they're their own thing yeah and that's that's one of the key differences here whereas like that same studio gonna be different that same studio that made those spider-man games is doing a wolverine game now too and i'm yeah I'm exactly like, i'm excited to see what that's going to be like so you're like if you're if you understand and we talked about this in the goosebumps episode if you understand the spiritual premise of the thing that you're adapting, you can go in a rapidly different direction and it still works, right? So if I was going to pick something recent, I could pick something like Doom Patrol. I've been loving the TV show Doom Patrol. Haven't seen it that. Is, oh, you got to check it out. It is 100% absurd, stupid, weird. So it's an cool. adaptation yep. of a comic book series, right? If I was going to adapt that, I would almost want to adapt the TV show rather than the comics 
The comics are like super dense, even weirder than the TV show. Very hard to adapt. So what's some so of the TV the, um, show has done all the heavy lifting to adapt it for me. I just have to borrow what the TV show's doing. So in terms of the TV show, is it an ongoing thing? Like, is there more than one season? Yeah, it's up to season three at the moment. So what's some of the um, recurring... What, what's the premise of it? Like, what, what, who are the characters? What do they do? Yeah, okay. So this is tricky. The premise for Doom Patrol, effectively, is that it's about reluctant heroes, right? Okay. It's a, it's, it's a ragtag group of, I would even say, D-list heroes, right? So you've got a robot guy, who, by the way, is played by Brendan Fraser, and it's cool. incredible. It's, okay. it's Brendan Fraser absolutely at his peak. And so he's, a, he's basically a brain in a giant metal frankenstein type thing right so instead of it being made up of other body parts he's entirely made of metal i'm into it yeah and it's just his brain it's voiced by brendan fraser but he does the physical action to it. it's absolutely brilliant um you've got a woman who can turn into a blob monster it's kind of a shit power and she can't really control it so she occasionally gets really That's upset something, and turns into goo i mean when you think about that in terms of like video game mechanics there's there's a lot you can do with that in in terms of adaptation Exactly. Maybe, so, like, maybe I, she, I won't go through everybody. It, it might be that thing of like, um, I forget what what it's called, but it's a couple of games that do this where like you you are a blob and you're like consuming and sucking up other things to become bigger and bigger and bigger and become more powerful. So like, oh, there's been a bunch of those. Yeah. So like yeah. maybe that's one of like the the gameplay exactly. mechanics. So like for her, the nature of the characters being so weird and unusual and having like really niche skill sets means that you could have a lot of room for adaptation and, and playing with those as mechanics. The actual plot line, it almost doesn't matter, but it's so meta, right? In the first season, well, it, they're facing off against an enemy played by Alan Tudyk, uh, uh, who is aware boy. that they are comic book characters. So he exists in the white spaces between comic book panels. Oh, really? So this guy, he is aware of the nature of their universe and is is effectively attempting to fuck with them out of spite. Not because he actually wants to end the world. He's just kind of a dick. It's really funny because the way the whole thing comes together is that these guys are reluctant heroes, not because they're actually trying to save the world, but because they're being harassed by this guy personally and they just have a beef with him and they need to stop him from, from hassling their shit. How is that character? It's, it's very good. How is that character adapted into the TV show if he exists in oh, the panels? Exactly. Like, no spoilers, but you got to check it out. He, like, narrates the show and is aware that they're in a TV show. And that they're an adaptation of a comic book show, like it's really good. That so, like this is what I mean. If you you were to exactly, if you take that premise and put it into a video game, you can just copy that concept and be like, he is aware now that they are in a video game adaptation of a TV show, which is an adaptation of a comic. Oh my god, he would lose his mind because he already hates his existence in this in between nether realm, and he has these like crazy infinite powers. It lends itself to a video game so well. So I'm like, you could do it, but again, you'd have to capture the essence of what's going on. It's meta. It knows that it's absurd and it, it, it owns that absurdism. Is it- the TV show at no point tries to be like, we're better than we are. They're like, they're D-list heroes. It's a slightly shit TV show. Everything is a bit rough. That's intentional. Well, that, that's that. that's the kind of thing you'd keep adapting it into a game too, being like, you, exactly. keep, you keep that self-awareness and that silliness. And in that sense too... Uh, you could do a similar thing that Borderlands does where like it leans into it being a video game and having those video game tropes. So like, okay, mm. you you kill someone with a headshot and like their head explodes with the words headshot coming up above them. Yeah. Um, like, being, like being like, we're not trying to be subtle about this. You are playing a video game right now. Um, yeah. I'm looking I think at- the other one. Yeah, go on. Because uh, I'm looking at the show too and one of the characters looks like the Invisible Man. Is that is that like yeah. very specific? It, like he's that character? 
No, it's a visual nod to the Invisible Man. Okay. But he is not invisible. He is <laughs> incredibly radioactive, and the bandages are the only thing that stops him from killing everybody else. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. Yeah, he has a thing inside him called the Negative Spirit. Uh, and I can't remember what its actual powers are, but like it's a space monster thing that like lives inside him and he struggles to communicate with it. And it's very interesting. Honestly, you should check the show out. You'd absolutely love it. But like, uh, honestly, I, from what you said, it sounds like it'd be the kind of thing I love. Oh yeah. You're going to absolutely, you're going to love it. It's incredible. But like, I think the only other TV show that I'm currently watching that could make for a great video game is C. So it's the Apple plus show, uh, with Jason Momoa as the lead oh, I don't know it. one of the leads okay and it's set in a you know i don't know how far in the future but i don't know a few hundred years enough that its civilization has ended basically because everybody went blind everyone on earth is oh, blind interesting except for these two kids that have been born and they can see and it's going to revolutionize everything it's going to change everything and it's they live in a world in which people who are sighted are like chased and hunted and burned as witches and all sorts of shit. It's really intense. You know what? Um, but it, it works because it feels like you could make a Last of Us style game or, or like almost like a Tomb Raider style game, you know, a, a, a puzzle exploration, fighting, shooting type, stealth, scary game set in that world. And it would just lend itself to it instantly. That's really cool. That, that makes me think of the movie Children of Men. Yeah, and 100%. That, that, yeah. Could, that could also be a movie that would be interesting if you like took that world and developed it into a game. And you have like stealth, I, I you have like, stealth things. Yeah, that, you have that, like sneaking through like the battle zone and all that kind of stuff. That would be a harder adaptation for sure because that that, that good, would have to be like a triple A video game. Yeah, and a, and a lot of it would need to be invented set pieces that are not from the film in order to create interesting gameplay. Because you only really have three or four set pieces in the film that would work straight as gameplay. It'd be cool. The rest of it you could totally do. It'd it'd be cool to take that world and explore other countries, not the UK. Yeah. And like, what's Mm. happening over there? What's what are the different politics at play in this Mm. like catastrophe where no one is able to have kids anymore? Yeah, it could be really cool. I don't know, man. I think for me, um, this is like Tomb Raider is probably an example where it hasn't worked very well. But the end result isn't isn't really that big of a pile of garbage. Like the film works. Because the film on its own is fun. Film. Yeah. You can switch off it's and have not, a good time. It's just not a very good adaptation. And I think I'm okay with that. Uh, that doesn't that doesn't hurt me in any way. I'm just like, eh, I'm disappointed. They could have been better, right? I would have enjoyed it if it was better. But I enjoyed it as it was. I didn't hate it. I didn't turn it off. Yeah. There's another point here to think about too, where um, video game movies in general, uh, there's been a lot of them. To, to different degrees of quality mm. are there any in particular that you would say are really good and and faithful adaptations Ooh, that's a that's a tough one well not not even necessarily faithful adaptations but you think are like genuinely good movies yeah uh let me figure this out i want to say i'm trying to remember if i'm gonna fuck this up i want to say that the prince of persia film i need to see that the the sands of time one i really enjoyed that a lot of people weren't super stoked and didn't think it was a super great adaptation but i really enjoyed that film okay i feel the same way about the assassin's creed film even though it is not a good adaptation but like the film was so good to me as a fan of the series and of a fan of like michael fassbender absolutely killed that role yeah right and just you know the director justin kurtzel i'm a big fan of his work that 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 film 
again, not a great adaptation, but a banging film. If we're talking about a film that's a legitimately good adaptation. On Assassin's Creed, quickly though, I haven't seen the movie, but one thing that I saw that they did, which I thought was a good choice, was that they're going with different characters and a, and a new storyline. It's set in the same world, yeah. but, but like you're not yeah. you're not following Desmond or Ezio, for example. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, I just figured it out. I know exactly what it is. The best video game adaptation I've ever seen was uh, Detective Pikachu. Oh, that's a good one. Without a doubt, Detective Pikachu absolutely knocks it out of the park as an adaptation because it f- it has the right tone. Mm-hmm. And what they did was, what they did was, the tone of the game is child friendly. It is a kid's game, right? But what they did was they understood that the people who enjoyed the game have gotten older. And so the film is aimed squarely at the same audience, but just older. So they get to play with that. And like having Ryan Reynolds as the voice, like all these but, things and, and add like, to it. Keeping that same like uh, family-friendly tone as well. Yeah. yeah. But just adding like enough that your your now older audience is like, yeah, I mentioned that. That, that totally kicks ass. That works. Have you seen that? Other you- than that, man, I don't know. That's a tough one. Have you seen um, the 1993 Super Mario Brothers movie? Have I ever? Oh, man. Because like that, you know? that's, not, that's a- not a good adaptation. But that movie, no, but, that movie is amazing. Yeah, God, that's an incredible film. Did you know uh, that there is actually a director's cut that was released online just this year? What, really? Yeah, and it's it's much more uh, adult oriented. Really? Oh my God, I've got my I've got to get yeah. my hands on that. You got to check it out. You'll if you Google it, you'll find it. It got leaked online or something, or like someone uploaded it to I don't know Vimeo or somewhere. But like it's online and it is it is a banger. Like oh. first of all, if you've already seen it, you're gonna get the nostalgia hit of like, yeah, God, I remember this film. But there's so much extra stuff that you're like, that's not in the movie. What? It's great. You're gonna love it. I think that's a really good example actually of something that like, like you can't really. I know that I'm gonna say this. They're trying to do another adaptation of Mario. Who knows how that's going to turn out? With yeah. Chris Pratt voicing blah blah. I don't the, know. the voice cast announces is an interesting lineup. I'll say that. Who knows, right? Who knows? But the the original one, this 1993 version, like it knew at the time. Think about what Mario was in 1993. Yeah. It's like how do you even adapt that? It's well, not I mean, a very good story to begin with. I mean, right? specific, with that movie specifically, there's a whole other thing there too. Where like the director wanted to make a different movie, but had to make yeah. it, but had to make it somehow related to Super Mario Brothers. Because he had, he had so this, I, I he had think this whole worked. thing of like this um, secret world underneath New York. It's all about dinosaurs. It's like, okay, and like yes. he, he wanted to make like this weird, like, cult movie like that. I was like, oh wait, but but Mario's here. But you know what? It worked. It's a cult movie. Yeah, but, like, it absolutely thing. slaps. As, yeah, as its own thing, not like separate to the video games. I fucking yeah. love it. It's bonkers and yeah. it's incredible. Um, Part of me was thinking about what could have happened if the Sonic the Hedgehog film had come out with the original Sonic design that they had. So I, for, for people I listening would, who don't know what's going on, when the Sonic film was first announced and they had a trailer, the footage of Sonic was like very scary. He did not look like Sonic the Hedgehog from the games or all the, all the animation or anything. It was like a weird, looked, it was like a weird fucked up animorph. It was terrifying, terrifying to look at, right? The fan outcry immediately was like, oh my God, you either need to not make this film or you need to fix this. So the film got delayed because the studio listened and went back and fixed Sonic. So the, the what we ended up with was a pretty good movie. I enjoyed it. It was, it was, again, it I was genuinely a good movie. It's a genuinely good film and it's getting a sequel. I'm like, you know what? I would put that up there as a great adaptation. It worked really well. It captured Sonic. It had humor. It felt right. 
But part of me wants to see the original cut with the old Sonic because I think that would have been a catastrophic dumpster fire that turned into a cult classic that would have been loved for generations. Well, and I feel like um, what we ended up with was a good movie that we're going to forget about in a decade. Here's the thing to think about on that too. They probably didn't have a finished cut of the entire movie with that version of Sonic. All the all the CG that they would have worked on for Sonic for Sonic up to that point when the trailer was released was just the visuals that were in the trailer. Yeah, because that because yeah. that would have been the first. Like, this is the thing that goes out. We need to make sure that, that, that this is good, and then we can keep working on the rest of the movie. So, like, yeah. it, it got delayed because I had to go back and, and and like redesign Sonic, but they wouldn't have had to do it for the entire movie. Like, having the whole movie with that version of, of Sonic probably didn't exist at that at that point. Yeah, but that, what that I want said though, do, I would love uh, to see a version with that with that Sonic. This is this is another thing, right? Somebody needs to get hold of the the, the character model. And like CGI that shit into the film so that we can get the exact same cut, but like the fan edit where they re- replace Sonic with Sanic or whatever we were calling that oh my monstrosity. God. I think that would be incredible. This makes me think of um, uh, that version of Shrek that was made where they got like a different animator to do like every 30 seconds or every different scene. And, and 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 like it, it's it's its own piece of art that is be- has been born the- from the internet. That's exactly it. Old Sonic, Sanic, right? That's high millennial art. I want to see that shit. I think that the world needs it. I think it would be incredible. And that, and I mean, and uh, you know, this is going to end this soon because we're at an hour and a half. But like that whole premise of like this is art and Sanic is art. It's its own like mm-hmm. internet mm-hmm. culture and memes and like trash art is its own thing of art too. And I'd, I'd, yeah. I'd love to see like an art, uh, like a like a proper art gallery do something displaying a lot of that stuff. Maybe maybe that's the problem with the Tomb Raider film is that it wasn't bad enough to to be a meme. It's not memeable. Right? So this is what I mean by it's mediocre. It's a 6 out of 10. It's not terrible to the point where it's hilarious. It's not 1993 Super Mario Brothers just yeah. weird. It's almost worse to be a 6 out of a 10 than a 2 out of 10. Right, because if it was awful, it could have been memeable, and then it's a cult classic for being so weird. Yeah, and it, 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 but it never got elevated to greatness either. So I'm like, what if the whole film was about Lara Croft as a bike bike courier who just gets stuck on this island, and she's not an archaeologist, that she doesn't know any of this stuff, and all she can do is use her bike courier skills to save the day? That would be a hilarious movie. I would watch that. That would be weird. <laughs> And I'm just trying to find like every single convoluted situation to jam her like, like like in the 1993 Super Mario Brothers movie, the way they solve everything is by being a plumber. Yes, that is exactly what I'm talking about. Lean <laughs> into that. That's it. So we what we need to do is we need to re reboot Tomb Raider, but the movie specifically, the games are fine. I want to re reboot the Tomb Raider film, so we're gonna have a. What must be now the third or the fourth film in total? I can't remember if the Angelina Jolie one I got think a sequel. There, there, there are two Angelina Jolie ones. I haven't seen either of them, but uh, on, yeah. on stand at least two of them came up. So this would be the fourth Tomb Raider film, but the third reboot. And all we're doing is we're leaning into all of the not working bits of the other reboots. We celebrate. Just cram we, it into a film. We celebrate the trash of the movie. Yes, yes, that's exactly it. Yeah. Go oh, on. I'm ready for that. That, that oh that'd be so funny i mean yeah there's a lot to do there anyway um i think we're gonna wrap this up now because we're over an hour and a half so this is let's do it so yeah. this has been uh picks and flicks talking about tomb raider and tomb raider um i hope you got a lot out of it i don't really know what i'm saying because i i have not been preparing outros but thanks for listening tune in next time um 
yeah, we'll catch you. We'll catch you then. Bye. Thanks for having us. Bye.